Amen. Yes, please take a seat. Go to Corner Church. It's so good to see you today. And for those of you who might be visiting with us, I just want to say thank you for coming by. Know that you could have chosen any church, anywhere to be a part of today, but you've chosen us. And we don't take that for granted. We are extremely thankful to have you here. Love the worship music this morning. I got to say, man, I really, really like that old hymn that they closed out with. I do believe that that was number 220 in the old red Baptist hymnal. Does anybody ever remember that? Number 220 burned into my mind. I loved, I loved that song. But this morning, I want to wrap up a series of sermons entitled The Power of One. Now, if you consider going to Corner Church to be your home church, and you've missed any of the sermons in this series, I, as your pastor, am strongly encouraging you to kind of back up, go to the podcast, listen to the ones you missed, or either go to the website and watch the sermons that you missed. And you say, why do you want us to do that? Because I really believe this series is of incredible importance to the future of our church. I think it's important to your future, personally. And I think maybe even more importantly, this is a critical sermon for somebody in your world, somebody that you know. In these sermons, I've shared some things that I felt like you, uh, the congregation of Golden Corner Church, really have to know, such as, I'm going to list them very quickly. Now, if you've been here for every sermon, I want you to be patient with me. I know it's going to seem redundant, but I, I really have to do this. I feel like there were six things I've shared with you that you really have to know. Like, number one, there's more. This is something that I, as your senior pastor, am hearing God say to me in regard to going to church. That there's more. You know, God has been so good to go to church in its 24 plus years of existence. He has graciously blessed us, but I think more importantly, He's really used us to be a blessing in the lives of other people. Uh, We're at a place that it would be really easy to just kind of stop and enjoy all that God has done. It would be such an easy place for us to stop and celebrate all that God has done, but we can't do that. You know why? Because there's more. There's more God wants to bless us with. There's more He wants us to experience. And there's more He wants us to accomplish. Now, you don't understand that I don't think I'm just talking about going to corner church collectively. I think He's talking about each of us individually. There's more blessings He would like to bestow upon you. There's more He wants you to experience. There's more that He wants you to accomplish. There's more. And, and this is the time for each one of us to begin pursuing that it's not a time to necessarily be looking back as much as we are now looking ahead to where we're going now number two in this series I shared with you the direction that I hope your church is going the pastors the staff the trustees of this church are all in agreement that we want Golden Corner Church to be a transformational church the kind of church that God uses to change people to change them for the better and to change them forever We're not really motivated, thought of being contemporary, big, or popular, but we are very motivated at the thought of being a transformational church, and that's the direction we are leading you. Three, in this series, we learn what it takes to become a transformational church. It takes teamwork. God, in His wisdom, why He would do this, I don't know, but He's sovereign, He can do whatever He wants. 
He chose to use human beings to change other human beings. We're the vehicle. We're the tool. In particular, he chose to use people who would work together toward a common goal as a means of changing other people. To become a transformational church means that each one of us is going to have to do his or her part. Number four, just hang with me, man. Listen to me. Hang with me. I've been taking you somewhere for all these weeks, and I'm going to take you there today. Just, but I've got to lay this foundation, so just stay with me. Number four, in this series, we've learned the power of one. And what is that? Every one of us has an equally important part to play in God's plan to change a life. If any one member of the team fails to do his or her part, life change as God has got it mapped out just simply isn't going to happen. That's the power of one. Number five, in this series, I made sure that all of us were clear and on the same page about the mission of our church. The mission of going to corners to help people find and follow Christ. We know what our motivation is. We attempt to do this because we love God and we love people and we know our method. And the method is simply this. We're going to attempt to do this together. Number six, and finally, in this series, to a great extent, you've learned your part. You know what our coach, Jesus, and what your teammates here at Golden Corner Church are counting on you to do. We're all supposed to follow Christ. Which means we're supposed to intentionally and consistently listen to, learn from, yield to, and obey Jesus. Do you understand? This is not a passive act. This is, this is uh, active. This, this is not something that happens accidentally. This is something that we do intentionally. You understand that following Jesus is something to do four or five times in a lifetime. In other words, we go through life doing exactly what we want to do with the attitude, if he ever, if he ever steps in and, and interferes with my plans and tells me something to do, well, I'll do it, but until then... I'm just going to do what I want to do. No, 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 no. People who follow Christ, it's an intentional, active process. They restructure their lives around three practices, communicating with Christ, cooperating with Christ, and connecting with other Christ followers. So everybody here is supposed to be following him. But last week we learned that everybody here is supposed to be leading people. We follow Jesus and we lead people. We do our best to intentionally, relationally, naturally, prayerfully, patiently, and wisely lead people to Jesus. We follow Jesus and we lead people. That's our part. That's my part. And that's your part. Now, this is where I want to pick up today. If we do this, if we become genuine, devoted followers of Christ. And we really try to lead other human beings to Jesus. Something wonderful, supernatural, and life-changing is about to happen. When we do our part, we release the power of the one. When we do our part, we release the power of The one. Let me explain. We're about to read some verses found in the New Testament book of Acts, chapter number 1. But before we do, let me set the stage. Jesus has already been crucified. He's already been resurrected. He's been hanging out with the disciples for about 40 days. And he's about to ascend back to heaven and be with his Father. Now, for this reason, he's diligently preparing uh, his disciples for his departure. In many ways, these men 
or these people, these followers of Christ, were in a very similar situation to ours. Jesus had told them, there's more. Just because I'm leaving doesn't mean that I've finished my work. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to continue my work through you, and there's a whole lot more to come. They knew they were on mission. They knew what their mission was. They were to help people find and follow Christ. They knew their part. They were to follow and lead. They were actually entering into the next leg of their spiritual journey. And guys, I believe that's exactly where Golden Corner is. It's been an eventful, exciting, rewarding, oftentimes challenging journey that God has led Golden Corner Church on. Well, let me tell you what. We're about to enter into the next chapter in the life of Golden Corner Church. So I think that they were in a very similar situation to ours. And I want you to look at what Jesus said to them. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, let's read this together. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift. He promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. There's the gift. Jesus told his followers not to leave Jerusalem until they had been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay, time for some theology. Boy, I tell you what, theology, that's, that's as good as ambient, isn't it? Man, I tell you, going to theology, people just go out cold. I want you to hang with me. This is very important. What I'm about to tell you is very important here. Who or what is the Holy Spirit? Our God is a trinity. One God manifest in three distinct personalities. God the Father... God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person, not a mystical force field. He's a person, and the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit has infinite wisdom, knowledge, understanding. The Holy Spirit possesses unlimited power. He's God. He is gracious merciful, and loving. He's God. Jesus told his disciples not to leave Jerusalem until they had been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Ronnie, what in the world does that mean? Now, these, these people he was talking to, they were familiar with the Holy Spirit. They had experienced the Holy Spirit, but in, in their experience, the Holy Spirit would kind of come and go. He would rest upon them. He would help them and, and then depart. But things were about to change. When they were, they were about to be baptized with Spirit, which means the Spirit was about to indwell them. The Holy Spirit was going to move into their bodies. He wasn't going to be an occasional visitor. He was going to be in them. Therefore, he would always be with them. Now, let me give you the hottest translation of what Jesus said in those first two verses. Essentially, Jesus said, hey, guys, don't pursue the mission until the Holy Spirit indwells you. Look what he goes on to say. Verse number 6. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. Did you hear what Jesus said to him? None of your business. Not your business. But you, he says, on the other hand, will receive power, and that word might be interpreted ability, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. In other words, when the Spirit indwells you, look at what he says, and then look what's going to happen. 
You're going to tell people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, while hanging out with Jesus, these guys, they had some prophetic questions. They wanted to know what the future held for their nation and, I think, particularly for them. Jesus responded by telling them, this should be of no concern to you guys. And then he proceeded to tell them what they should be concerned with. The mission. Now, here's the Hodge translation of these verses. I believe Jesus said to these men, guys, don't be distracted. The Holy Spirit is coming, and he will give you the ability to fulfill your mission. When that happens, focus on the mission. Then Jesus ascended, went back into heaven to be with the Father, and the disciples went on to do exactly as they were told. They waited. And as they waited, they prayed. Ten days after Jesus ascended, God kept his promise and sent the Holy Spirit who indwelt these believers. And as they made themselves available to him, he actually began to control these believers. And under his control, they began to pursue their mission. And with the Spirit's help, they were wildly successful. Thousands of people were changed. Man, that is an understatement. The world was transformed, if you want to know the truth about it. Now, what do we learn from, this, from these verses? Very simple truth here. We can't, but he can. I got some bad news. Uh, we can't accomplish our mission. You say, what? Man, you've taken four Sundays out of my life to tell me about this mission I'm supposed to be pursuing, and now you're standing here telling me, but you'll never get it done. That's the truth. You and I cannot accomplish. Listen, if these disciples couldn't accomplish the mission on their own, I promise you we can't. Doesn't matter how devoted or committed we are. Doesn't matter how hard we work. It doesn't matter how clever, gifted, or intelligent we consider ourselves to be. Here's the bottom line, guys. We can't change a life. Can't do it. Can't do it. We can't save the unsaved. Every once in a while somebody has said to me, man, I appreciate you because you saved me. I'm thinking, no, I didn't. And if you were counting on me to save you, you were in a world of trouble because I can't. We can't save the unsaved and we can't make saved people grow. You know, I, I, I can't make you grow up in Christ. I can't make you follow Christ. I can't make you do any of that. I'm not... I'm not uh, Convincing enough? I'm not sharp enough to pull that off. And you can't make any Christian grow either. We've literally been given an impossible task. That's the bad news, but here's the good news. He can. The Holy Spirit is the one who has the ability to change lives. He can save the unsaved, and He can make believers grow into Christ-likeness. We can't fulfill our mission, but He can. And here's the good news, man. He lives in us. He lives in us. When we were saved, the Holy Spirit moved into our bodies, took up a permanent residence. Therefore, the ability to fulfill this mission now resides in us. Here's the way it works. When you and I do our part, we release the one. 
who lives within us who can change a life. That's what happens. When we follow Christ, the Holy Spirit works within us, changing us. When we lead people, the Holy Spirit works through us, changing others. When we do our part, we release the power of the one, and the result is transformation. People are changed for the better, and they are changed forever. Now, i got a question for you. Did that make any sense whatsoever? Are you with me? Okay. Are you sure? Okay. I simplified that as much as I, as I possibly can, not because I felt like you needed it, because I know I needed it. Now, it all boils down to this, Golden Corner. <laughs> the whole series boils down to the next few statements. So, you with me? Yes. I like it. If we are in, uh, going to experience more, if we are going to accomplish more, if we're going to fulfill our mission, if we're going to become a transformational church, if lives are really going to be changed... We've got to release the power of the one. The next step for Golden Corner Church is a big step. The next step for Golden Corner Church is huge. Of incredible importance. We must allow the Holy Spirit... To work in and through us to a greater degree than ever before. That's it. Well, Ronnie, I thought you were going to tell us you wanted to build another building or, oh, no, no, that'd be simple. That's a simple deal. We thought maybe you were going to hit us up to hire more staff. Ah, oh, that's easy. Maybe you wanted to add some new programming or, I'm going to tell you, that's simple stuff. What I'm talking about is big. It's critical. We have got to allow the one who lives within us to become more and more active, working within us and working through us. You you may have a few questions. Ronnie, do you think the Holy Spirit is active at Golden Corner? Yeah, I know he is. I, I sure do. As a matter of fact, every life that's ever been changed here or through the ministry of this church is because the Holy Spirit used a human being. He worked through a human being. So he has to be active. But you may be asking, but do you think, Ronnie, are you insinuating, are you implying that he is limited? That somehow or another at our church, the Holy Spirit is limited in what he wants to do. I'm going to say this, and I hope it doesn't hurt your feelings. Absolutely, he's limited. I know he is. I know that he wants to be involved to a much greater degree than we're allowing him to be involved. I know that. You say, Ronnie, how active do you think the Holy Spirit is at Golden Corner? He's as active as you are allowing him to be. Not the worship team necessarily or me or Tim I'll tell you what we're all in this the Holy Spirit is as active as golden corner as you're letting him be you that's the fact 
Each one of us has a say in how active the Holy Spirit is at Golden Corner. You made a decision last week on how active he would be here this morning. You decided. You chose. You say, I don't remember doing that. Well, you did. I guess I'm just making it aware to you that every week you are making that decision. I'm making it, but you're making it. How active are we going to let the God who lives in us be in and through us? You say, how did we decide? Well, the degree to which you follow Christ and lead others determines the degree of the Holy Spirit's activity at and through our church. I'm convinced that the greatest need of Golden Corner is not additional programming, staff, or events. I'm convinced that the greatest need of Golden Corner Church is an increased level of the activity of God's Spirit in the things we're already doing. We need more of His oomph behind what we're doing. I'll give you an example. We had a service here a few weeks ago where we just prayed for people. Some of you were crying uncontrollably. And if I asked you why, you'd have said, I don't know. I don't know what's come over me. I don't know how to explain this feeling. I mean, it's a sense of peace. It's a sense of joy. I don't know how to explain this. You know what that was? That was the presence of God. For that morning, for some reason, I tell you what, he was able to be very active in our midst. That's what I'm talking about. The degree to which you followed Christ during the week, the degree to which you tried to lead people to Jesus during the week, is going to show up here on a Sunday morning. It's going to show up here at our baptisms. We're going to see the results of the work of the Holy Spirit. You know what this means, don't you? You got a decision to make. You see, I'm not talking to an organization this morning. I'm not talking to Golden Corner Church. Man, I'm talking to you. You're the church. This is your decision. Each of you is a vehicle the Holy Spirit has chosen to work through in order to change people. However, you've been given the final say. You can release him, turn him loose to do what he can do, or you can suppress him. Did you know that? You can turn him loose or you can hold him back. You can set him free or you can put the reins on him and say, oh, no, 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 no. It's your choice. Isn't that amazing? That God would place his spirit inside of us with the purpose of him changing us and working through us to change others and then say, but in the end, I'm going to give you, the I'll let you make the decision. Do you want to let him do that or not? You say, where are you getting that? Preacher, man, look at this verse. It's found in the New Testament, book of 1 Thessalonians, verse five, chapter 5, verse 19. Paul wrote these words to a church, a church full of believers just like us. I want you to look what he said. It's a command. He said, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. You see that? 
Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. According to the Bible, believers, just like you and me, we have the ability to stifle the Spirit of God. You know what that word means? It means to quell or to crush. It means to suppress or withhold. It means to hold back. It means to hogtie. We can release the Holy Spirit so that he does his work, or we can stifle the Holy Spirit, preventing him from doing his work. And you know what? It's your choice. You can set him free, or you can put him in shackles. But every week, write this down, you're making that choice. Every week, you're making that call. You're deciding. Nobody's deciding for you. You are making that decision on the level of activity he will have in your life, through your life, in your church, and through your church. It's your call. Now, as your pastor, that's a big thing I'm supposed to let you in on, to know that you have that responsibility. How do you stifle the Spirit, Ronnie? Well, just don't follow Christ. And you'll stifle the Spirit. And you'll prevent Him from changing you. Don't try to, don't try to lead others to Christ. You'll stifle the Spirit. You'll get in the way of Him changing others. Did you know that the primary reason the Holy Spirit was given you was to help you accomplish Christ's mission? Which means if you refuse to be a missionary, you, you reject that. I'm not doing that. Uh, you've made a decision to hogtie the Holy Spirit. That's it. I'm not going to go that far with it, Ronnie. That, you, know, I, I, like, you, you said this yourself. I've been forgiven. I'm going to heaven. You know, I, I'm, I'm kind of I'm out on the rest. I'm not going to be a missionary. You know what? You're making a decision that the God who lives in me, who has the power to change lives, I will not turn him loose. I'm keeping him under lock and key. That's the decision you're making. It's that simple and it's that serious. Think about this. The one who can change your life took up residence in you, in your body, so he could change you. Day by day, step by step, as you follow Christ, the Holy Spirit slowly but surely transforms you into Christ's likeness. He will change you unless, of course, you stifle him. You ignore Christ most days, you don't consistently try to listen to him, learn from him, yield to him, or obey him. You stifle the spirit and you prevent him from changing you. You stifle the spirit and it costs you. It costs you most of everything God planned for you in between your salvation and in between heaven. Now listen to me, man and woman. Listen to me. You stifle the spirit by not following Christ... You prevent him from changing you, which means you're going to miss out. There's a big cost that you miss out on most of what he planned for you in this life. In spite of great personal loss, this has been my observation after 30 years of pastoring. The average person who attends church has chosen to stifle the Holy Spirit's work in their own life. Most people who accept Christ never get around to following him. And man, I think that's a shame.
It's pretty straightforward stuff, isn't it? Well, it's about to get worse. The one who can change a life also lives in you so he can change others. You're his means of accessing people whom he desires to change. As you intentionally try to lead others to Christ, the Holy Spirit will work through you and change people. Unless, of course, you stifle him. When you refuse to put forth an intentional effort to lead people to Jesus, you stifle or suppress the Holy Spirit. You literally prevent him from doing his work in others. You see the seriousness of this? You're denying people access to the one who can change their life. Stifle the Holy Spirit and the cost to others will be great. But in spite of this enormous cost to others, most people who accept Christ never get around to trying to lead another human being to Christ. One of the latest surveys I read said 90-something percent of Baptists go their entire life and never really try to lead another human being to Christ. I think that's serious. I think we're talking about some serious stuff. And to say that stifling the Holy Spirit is serious is a gross understatement. Just imagine this. When you get home this evening and you turn on the TV, uh, there's a picture of an 80-year-old man on every channel, every channel. His name is Al Smith. According to the news report, Al was a chemist who used to work for a major pharmaceutical company. Apparently 50 years ago, he discovered a cure for cancer. However, before he made this known to the public, some powerful people in the medical community approached him with an offer. They offered him $1 billion to stop pursuing the project and keep everything to himself. Their motivation was, of course, greed. After all, cancer research and cancer treatment meant big money for them. According to the news report, Al, in his greed, took the money And for the past 50 years, he had lived in luxury while people all over the world continued to suffer and die from cancer. How would you feel about a wow? Would you say, well, he did discover the cure. And therefore, he had the right to do with it whatever he pleased. And if he wanted to take the money, it was nobody's business but his. I promise you this, if you have suffered from cancer, or if you've watched someone suffer from cancer, and perhaps lost someone to cancer, it's not what you'd be thinking. You know what? The truth is there would be a worldwide outcry. Al's selfishness would be legendary. His actions would be viewed as a crime, a heinous crime against humanity. You know why? He could have helped people, but he selfishly chose not to. He could have alleviated suffering, but he chose to put his own wants ahead of others' needs. That's not just serious, folks. That's a crime. There are people in your world who are haunted by their past. The one who can fix that 
He lives inside you. There are people in your world who are leading an empty life. Like sheep without a shepherd, they're wandering aimlessly through this life. And the one who can fix that, he lives in you. There are people in your world who are one failed heartbeat away from hell. And the one who lives in you can fix that. When you choose not to put forth an intentional effort to lead people to Jesus, you are choosing to keep them away from the one who can help them. That's not just serious. That's a crime. Perhaps it's a far worse crime than withholding a cure for cancer. You see, keeping the Holy Spirit at bay from people in dire need of change is a crime that has eternal ramifications. Stifling the Holy Spirit is more than a crime. It's a sin. And I believe it's the sin of the church of our generation. I think it's the sin that single-handedly changed Christianity from a mighty movement of God to another lifeless, powerless form of religion. Now that's what I've got to say. So Ronnie, what do you want us to do? I just want you to do your part. That's it. Just do your part. Follow Jesus and lead people. Follow Jesus and lead people. When each one of us does our part, we release the power of the one and the result will be transformation. But make no mistake about it, if any one of us chooses not to do his or her part, we are choosing to stifle the one And the cost to others will be great. Let's bow for prayer. I want each of you just to kind of take a careful look at yourself. And I want you to try to answer a question very honestly. As you look at your approach to following Christ, as as you look at your approach to trying to lead people to Jesus, would you say you've been a conduit of God's power? That you have so cooperated with the Holy Spirit that you've enabled Him to work in you and also work through you and work within your church and through your church. Is that what you'd say? I, Ronnie, I, I just feel like I've been a real conduit and that he is, 
He is just pouring his power through me. Or would you say, you know, Ronnie, to be honest, that's not the way I would describe myself. I would say I've probably been more of a damn holding back his power, holding back his spirit. Instead of being the way others are getting to him, I think maybe I've been in the way of others getting to him. Well, if that's the case, maybe there's one more thing that we need to do. If this is indeed a sin to stifle the Spirit, maybe it all begins on this Sunday morning by you saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord. For some reason, I just lost sight of the big picture. I just, I don't want to be the Al Smith of my church. I don't want to be the man or woman who could have made a big difference, but who selfishly sold out and left others to fend for themselves. I think this is kind of a big moment in our church. And I think it's a big moment for you, so I'm going to ask you to do something. I think it might be good for those of us who are serious about this, going forward to this. I'm going to ask you to to leave your seat. I'm going to ask you to come to the altar. I'm going to ask you to nail this down, that this is the day. This is the day it all turns. Would you do that? God, this day is going to turn around. Lord, this is the day that I'm going to start living in more of a consciousness of what I'm on this earth for. This is a day, Lord, that I'm going to start living in a consciousness that your spirit resides within me. That I am a person on mission. And that there is a lot at stake. That my daily decisions are either going to pay off for somebody big or they're going to cost somebody in a big way somewhere down the road. And so, God, this is my turning point. You help me be a missionary. You help me follow you. You help me grow. You change me from the inside out. And, Lord, you help me care about the people in my world and understand that there's somebody in me who can make all the difference in their life. Help me cooperate with him. Lord, work in me, then work through me. And God, I pray this. I just want to be a part of our church, seeing your spirit become more and more active. And the bottom line is, we want to see him change lives. Help us, Jesus, to really get this. Help us to be changed by this.
In the name of Christ, we ask this. Amen. Say, say this before I let you go. I want you to know this. With all of my heart, with all of my strength, I'm trying to practice what I preach to you. I'm trying to practice what I'm preaching to you. And uh, my goal is to set an example. So that hopefully you can see in me what I'm talking about. It's not easy. It's challenging. But it's worth it. It's the way it was meant to be. And I'm encouraging you. Uh, act on this. Act on this. Let's release the power of the one in our community. Let's release the power of the one where we work. Let's release the power of the one in our hunt clubs. Let's release the power of the one in our schools and in our homes and in our neighborhoods. And I promise you this, there'll come a time when we'll sit back awestruck when we see what he is doing. Thank you. I love you. You're dismissed.